Hello and welcome to the Legacy Church Podcast. We hope that today's message will inspire you to grow in your journey of faith. We believe that hope is for everyone. So, no matter where you find yourself on your journey of faith, we believe Jesus is willing to meet you right where you're at. So again, thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. We're starting a brand new series uh, that we've called First and Best. And here's what I want to tell you right off the bat is I don't want you to blink over the next two weeks because this is a two-week series and that's it. And so, so God's doing some, some beautiful things and, and I believe God wants to speak to us when it comes to this idea of making him a priority in our lives. I believe God wants to be the first in our lives, and he wants us to give him of our best. And here's what I, what I want you to understand as, as a person who, who is either visiting Legacy or checking us out, or, or maybe this is already your home. Our heart as a pastoral team is that not that we just create some great weekend attendance and that we have these great moments in worship, but that you would experience everything God has for you. And here's what I'm convinced of is you will only experience all God has for you if he is number one in your life. And are you and I willing to literally, hear me, rearrange our entire lives so that God would become first and that we would give him our best? So today I want to talk to you about this idea of wealth of generosity. There's going to be three scriptures that we read together. One of them is the first one here in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, 1 through 15. And it completely contrasts to what we're then going to read in Haggai. But would you stand for the reading of God's word this morning as we read 1 Corinthians chapter 8, 1 through 15. And then we'll go to Haggai 1, 6. And then after that, we're going to go to the book of Acts. So a lot of reading this morning. Uh, a lot of spiritual calisthenics as you stand up and sit down, stand up and sit down. Okay, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, look at this, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. That sounds kind of wild, right? Extreme poverty, a ton of issues, and that caused A wealth of generosity? For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord. Look at this. Begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. In other words, they knew it was a privilege. And And this, not as we expected, but they gave, here it is, themselves first to the Lord And then by the will of God to us. This is Paul the Apostle writing. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this very act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness. Excuse me. This happened last night. I got to start preaching with another iPad here. This thing keeps locking up on me. And uh, excuse me, in speech and knowledge and all earnestness and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. There's an invitation to you. 
I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, look at this, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And in this matter, I give my judgment. This benefits you, who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. So now finish doing it as well, so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need. Look at that. So that their abundance may supply your need. In other words, no one lacks. That there may be fairness as it is written. Whoever gathered much had nothing left over and whoever gathered little had no lack. Now look at this very contrasting scripture. The book of Haggai chapter 1 verse 6. You have so much yet harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. Does this sound like living month to month to somebody? You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. Wow. Acts 20, 35. And in all things I have shown you that by working hard in this we, uh, this way, excuse me, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask that it would mold us and it would guide us today in Jesus name. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, when my family and I go out to restaurants, it's kind of a fiasco. If you, if you don't know, we've got five kids. And so uh, the anxiety levels uh, walking into a restaurant are through the roof for me because I know that it's going to be chaotic trying to get the order for seven people. Come on, some parents, help us out, right? Like, and we all know this, parents. They're not going to eat all the chicken strips that they order, right? And so every time we, we go to a restaurant, I'm like, okay, get ready, kids. You're going you're gonna to look at the, the server. You're going to look at their eye. You're going to know what you're going to order, etc., etc. And then I always look to my wife. And by the way, uh, husbands, wives, you should never say never and you should never say always. But today I'm going to say always because I mean it. What my wife always does is I'm not going to order anything. I don't really need anything. <laughs> husbands, how many of you know? That she's going to be eating off your plate. <laughs> and so, you know, every time we go to a restaurant, every time, I, take me to the most expensive steakhouse, I'm still going to get a burger and fries. Because I'm a simple man. Give me a burger, give me some fries, and because I'm a little not classy, day class A, if you will, I'm going to get some ranch to dip my french fries in. Come on, somebody help me out. And you know, it is, it is said oftentimes, and the conclusion is drawn because of John 3.16, that love gives. Am I right? Right? You, you've read John 3.16. You've heard it, right? It says, for God so loved the world that he what? He gave. And so love gives. And so because I love Sophia, I give her my french fries. You know, because I love my daughter, Maggie, who loves cherries, I give her the cherry off my Shirley Temple, right? Like, I love fries, but I love Sophia more, so I let her eat my fries. You know, because love 
gives. Am I right? And, and so uh, th when my kids were growing up, uh, I'm not going to say who, but let's just say two out of the three boys, uh, I don't know if one of them is in the room right now or not. We're going to see. Uh, I was giving them a bath because how many of you know that a loving father also gives baths, right? And so you're an active dad. You, you, you do what you do to, 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 to be a good dad. And so love gives. And so I was giving them a bath and I had two boys in there. And, and one of them decided to go number two in the tub. And if that was gross, let me just finish the story. As a result of that, the second kid that was in the tub saw the thing floating, and that caused him to... For those of you listening in the podcast, he vomited. But because love gives, you, you know who cleaned up the tub? Sophia. We see here in the Bible two contrasting stories of, of a group of people that had understood that God's love would lead them to a generous lifestyle versus a group of people in Haggai that hadn't understood and they had two different mindsets. And I want to talk to you about these two different mindsets, and that is the mindset between a bag with holes and a cup that overflows. And so today, as we look at Paul's writing in the book of Corinthians, one of the things we should know is Paul was the Jews of all Jews. He was the purest form of a Jew. He came from the line of Abraham. It didn't get purer than Paul. In fact, he was taught by Gamaliel, which is the, the most famous and most sought after Jewish Rabbi, But as Paul encounters the Messiah, he begins to realize that Jesus didn't just come for the Jews, but he also came for the Gentiles. By the way, Gentiles is just a, a fancy word for the rest of us. Yep, yep. And because of this, this brought on much confusion to a group of people who go, no, 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 this gospel's for us. This Savior's for us. And it's not for those other people. And so thank God at the time, by the way, we just finished a series on the book of James. James was one of the great fathers of the faith. So at the time we had James, Peter, and John as kind of the three overseers of the church. And they said, okay, okay, Paul, we'll bless you to go to the Gentiles with the gospel message under one condition. You've got to teach them that we are generous. You've got to teach them that we care for the poor. You have to teach them that we build God's house. You've got to teach them that their life, that we've been called to, a generous lifestyle of living. And, and, and so today I want to talk to you about something that is actually directly tied to our hearts. And it has more to do with our hearts than that which is in our hands. And that is this idea of giving and generosity and being faithful in knowing how to steward our finances according to what the Word of God teaches us. How many of you would agree that prayer is important in the life of a believer? Amen. Prayer is mentioned 500 times in the Bible. That is important. How many of you know that faith is important in the life of a believer? Faith is mentioned less than 500 times in the Bible. Did you know that giving... Tithing, 
generosity, money stewardship is mentioned 2,000 times in the Bible. Today we read three, so we've only got 1,997 to go in the next 10 minutes. Why is God so interested in this area? Because he's actually after our heart. And I believe that there's three things that we're going to look at today that he actually desires to do in, through, and for us. Because when you and I are willing to go, God, you're first in my life. You get the best in my life. Then things begin to happen. And there's a reason why God, my friend, wants to be first in your life and wants to see you giving of your best to him. First reason for that is because he wants to do something in us. God desires to do something in you. And don't get it twisted. A lot of times we put the cart before the horse. And when it comes to money, when it comes to stewardship, when it comes to generosity, we approach it many times as, what can God do for me? But it actually begins with, what can God do in me? 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 5 says this. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace. Say with me, grace. Grace. That God has given, given, given churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty, it says, it has now overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. By the way, this word here, poverty, it's not talking about what you and I think poverty is nowadays. You know, like when you have to cancel one out of your seven Netflix subscriptions because you can't afford it. It's not gas prices have gone up. By the way, I'm with you. But these people were, were facing severe poverty under the, a government and a Roman rule that would, that would take over 50% of their income. And their response to the external was, God, do something in me and let it overflow. And the result of that was an overflow of generosity. According to their means, they gave, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord. Look at that. That's not an outside person forcing them. Out of their own accord, something happened in them. And my friend, we've got to be asking the question, what did God do in those people that would lead to that? And it goes on to say in the fourth verse, they were begging us, look at that, earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. Can you imagine what kind of church we would have? Where instead of pastors and leaders begging people to buy into what God has already put into place, we've got a group of people begging, can I be a part? How? How? Come on, Pastor. Who's in need? That's good. They gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God. Can I talk to you about how you will never get money right if you don't get God's priorities right? Amen. Yeah. right. 
What I'm talking about today, next week, is this idea that God desires, and not only that, but deserves to be number one in our lives. But I'm going to ask the question again. Are you willing to go as far as rearranging your entire life so that God comes first? And so that he gets your best. And I understand this message ain't popular in 2023 when we could barely give God a Sunday. Yet God is going, I want to be first because I want to do something in you. What does he want to do in you? I, I believe he wants to take you from a bag with holes mentality to a cup that overflows mentality. You see, these folks understood that in the midst of severe tests and affliction, in the midst of poverty, and in the midst of what life attempted to do to literally bury them. Hear me on this church, and I hope you catch this because this is for you. You have got to get a hope that arises in you and looks at circumstances and goes, go ahead, try to bury me. You try to go ahead and put me under the earth. What you don't know is I'm a seed. And when I get buried... The, the farmer comes and he pours water and then I bear fruit. Go ahead. These folks understood when life's afflictions come to bury me, they come to overwhelm me. They understood they're not anything but a seed. So go ahead. I welcome the burying. Go ahead and bury me. And there's a faithful farmer who would come and he would sow and he would come and he would water and I will bear much fruit. But the reality is most of us fall into a different perspective and into a cycle that is not biblical. And then we wonder why we never have enough as if we were putting things into a bag with holes. This is what happens. First graphic, guys, is God provides. We can when we don't get it right. The first thing we do is we consume. God provides, and the first thing we do is we consume. So then we run out. Then we fear. And if you're a little bit like Tony, you freak out. And then we live a life with clenched fists. Notice how I'm not saying you go out and make your paycheck, then you consume. God provides. And you know what we do when we don't get it right? We go out and we consume first. There's a joke in, in my household that everything on Amazon is free because you don't have to swipe a card. You just click to buy. <laughs> and if I'm not careful, we're not careful. God provides and I begin to consume. The first thing I do, right, I go, I go to Amazon. I go out to eat. I go hang out with friends. I go do this. I go do that. And then before I know it, I run out. Anyone else? Yeah. Some of y'all have lived in, a, in, a, in the same place that I've lived in the past when I haven't honored God's word, where it's like before the money even hits, it's already been spent. Some of y'all know when that money hits, it's like magically it's gone. And you go, I'm not, is there a hole in this bag? And God would say, when you're out of my order, you're putting money in bags that have holes in them. And we know this. It'll never be enough. Because enough is never enough. Unless we follow God's order. Amen. So what I, what I want to do for you today is teach you how to put God first. And so instead of God provides and we consume, we go with God's way. God provides and the first and best thing we do 
is give. I'm going to talk about the tithe in a little bit. But I just want to tell you right off the bat, this is what I mean by we give first. The tithe is not when I can afford it. Tithe is not if I've got left over. The tithe is God provides and I give to him first and my best. And you know what happens is when I give, he multiplies. By the way, isn't God's economy crazy? And I'm getting amens from people that are practicing this. So if you don't want anyone to know that you're not practicing this, just amen me. That's a joke. It's a bad joke, but I wanted to get you laughing. You know, it's incredible to me how when I give first to God, his way of doing things is he multiplies. Can, Can I tell you this? God does more with the 90% that he blesses than I can do with the 100% that is out of his order. And so I give to God. God multiplies, by the way. Some of you are already resisting this message, and I get it, and I feel it. And I'm going to just speak to it real quick. You're resisting it, one, because you're afraid that I'm going to start talking about the prosperity gospel, where God is this vending machine, where if you give him 10 cents, he's going to spit out a $100 bill. That's not what I'm talking about. Second thing that's happening in this room right now is somebody has manipulated you into giving money and they've coerced you. And it's not biblical. We just read today that they weren't under coercion. So here's what I don't want today. This is why I'm not taking up an offering after this sermon. By the way, just put you at ease. You can take a breath, okay? Is this. This is the reason why. Is because if I can talk you into an offering today, the next guy that can speak better than me will talk you out of it. What I would desire is that you would have a conviction that God is doing something in me. Yes. Because then after he multiplies, you know what happens? Our faith is built. And then our trust in him grows. And then instead of living like this, we live like this. Open-handedly. And can I tell you, there is freedom in open-handedly. Have you ever noticed that the clenched fist person has like their eyebrows sewn together at the center? Because they're stressed. But when I go, God, here's what belongs to you. I watch you do your thing with it. My faith grows. My trust in you grows. I can live open-handed. There is a freedom that comes in that. What does God want to do in you? He wants you to go from holes in your bags to a cup that overflows. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with your first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. And I know some of y'all really want to say amen to that, but uh, it's not kosher in church, you think. So, okay. It's okay to laugh at my bad jokes. What does he want to do in us? He wants to move us from bag with holes to a cup that overflows. Here's why. Because he knows that if he can do something in us, eventually that means something will be done through us. And that's the second point I want to give you today is when you and I learn to put God first and give him our best, not only does he do something in us, but he does something through us. Second Corinthians 8, 6 through 15 says, accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. 
But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in your love, and our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. In other words, you are invited into moving with what God is doing. And he goes on to say, goes on to describe that, that, that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 9, that though he was rich, yet for our sake he became poor so that you might, by his poverty, become rich. Let me tell you something. You and I must move from simply admiring what Jesus did and become imitators of what he did. God wants to do something through you. And can I tell you that God loves it when his people partner with him in his miracle working power. You know, this is God after all, y'all. Did you know that at one word, he literally created it all? So I don't know if you know this, and some people would argue this, and I, don't, I really don't know why. I think they just have control issues. Did you know God could do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants, with whomever he wants? Yeah. Yet he goes, people, I want you to be a part of what I'm doing. And you know what happens when you and I partner in every area of our lives, finances included? We get to be a part of the miracle that he is doing on this earth. Amen. He wants to do something through you. Do you want a big life? I've heard a lot of people say, I will, God will use me when I have a bigger life. I've heard people say, you know what? God will use me or do something through me when I'm ready. Uh, you know what, Tony? I'll be more generous when I have more. Can I just speak to that real quick? You will only do more of what you're already doing when you get more. Far too many people are going, when I, when I make 100000 when I make 200000 that's when. No, 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 my friend. My friend. <laughs> that's not the way God works. You're just going to do more of what you're already doing with your 50 bucks than you would with your 50 grand. I'm just going to tell it to you that way. And God is actually very clear where he goes, hey, you want me to honor you with more? you got to first honor me with this. Yeah, there it is. He wants to do something through you. Do not limit what he wants to do through you. As it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. In other words, hear me, church, no one lacked anything ever. But what happens is instead, we buy into a selfish, self-indulged culture that stops God, hear me, from working through us. Because we are so busy and caught up in ourselves and our own needs that our eyes are not up, our ears are not open, and God's going, I'm looking for people I can work through. If, If you don't catch what I'm saying, don't miss what God's trying to do. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Don't be so self-absorbed that you miss what God's trying to do, even through the area of your finances. C.S. Lewis, who was more than just a poet and a writer, said this. I do not believe that one can settle how much we ought to give. I'm afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. In other words, if our expenditure on comforts luxuries, amusements, etc. 
is up to the standard common among those with the same income as our own, we are probably giving away too little. If our charities do not at all pinch or hamper us, I should say they are too small. There ought to be things we should like to do and cannot do because our charitable expenditure excludes them. C.S. Lewis was a man that understood that it is better to give than to receive. God wants to do something in you. God wants to do something through you. And before I move on to my third and final point today, I, I just want to commend you, Legacy Church. Hey, you're, if you're new, you're checking us out, I just want to let you know, one of our five values is that we practice uncommon generosity. Yes. This is who we are. Yes. It's a part of why we even exist. Yep. And, and so part of why we do that is because we have understood that we are blessed to be a blessing. We've understood that we honor God, and when we do that, He multiplies, and His economy is way different than the world's economy, yeah. and He fills us in such a way that overflows. Yeah. And, and, and here's where I want to commend you, Legacy Church. Go ahead, clap. That's fine. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Thank you for that golf clap. Um, here's where I want to commend you. You can clap later after I commend you here. When I mean God wants to do something through you, I want to talk to you about those of you that have decided to go, I'm going to, I'm going to bring the tithe to the storehouse. I'm going to trust that God is going to use this local church. I'll tell you what. We just recently finished remodeling what used to be a gym into a multi-purpose space, new carpet. We're getting new lights here in the next month. We got, and not only do your kids get to, and your youth, and now the generational group gets to enjoy it, but just this, just today, after our rehearsal for the kids and stuff, there's a church that we're going, hey, you use that for free. They, they, they needed a place to meet for their Thanksgiving dinner. And I'm going, we got a kitchen. We got this. We got that. And that's not possible unless there's a group of people that go do something through us, God. And I want to be really careful with how I say this because really, my heart is not to offend anyone that was here in years prior. But what really shocked me was, was I got this text from the pastor saying, hey, man, I just want to thank you for opening your church doors. Um, we, we didn't realize. I've always had envy of, of that building and just didn't necessarily think that we would have access to that. You know? And so we're just so grateful that you're willing to do that now. I, we just got done with our trunk or treat, right? Which for some of you, it's like, okay, whatever. It's an activity. 700 people. Yeah. We're providing a safe, uh, sober, loving night. I understand the DJ didn't choose the best of songs. I'll talk to him about that. I already heard your complaints. By the way, the connect cards are not complaint cards. So, I'm sorry, that slipped out. People were loved on. And that doesn't happen unless there's a people that go, work through me. Yes. Yes. Yep. Just this year, let, let me just brag on you guys for a second. Okay, let me brag on what God's doing. Just this year, we, we had to bring on our kids director, Ashley Hoover, and our youth director, Lane McDonald, from both working part-time 
to full time because of the growth. And we were able to respond to the growth because you said, we're going to be uncommonly generous. So now we've got, now we've got a, a youth director that's dedicated to that thriving ministry. Now we've got a kids director. We're, and, and I'm telling you, God does things through you. Yes, he does. We responded with thousands of dollars, thousands of dollars when everything broke loose in Israel. And, and we have a, a missionary that's boots on the ground. And within one son at the drop of a hat, you showed your uncommon generosity. You said in the midst of drought, famine, even political divides, God, here you go. Come on, just, just this last month, I got a report from our missionaries in Thailand, which, by the way, I'm going to just say this out loud. And if you come to the finance meeting at the end of the year, you'll hear this. We are their number one consistent monthly donor. These are people who now just built yet another orphanage. Now they're going into places like Burma where it's illegal and they're illegally crossing borders to go get Bibles in the hands of people. And an entire village just last month, an entire village of 200 plus people all gave their life to Jesus and got baptized moment of. God wants to do something through you. And here's my invitation to those of you that have not yet began to honor the Lord with your tithes. Join in on the fun. Join in on the fun. This is your official invitation to partner with God in what he's doing in his local church and throughout the world. My third and final point, he wants to do something for us. Some of you right now are going... Oh, please, Pastor, don't go into the prosperity gospel. Because people have manipulated this message, we're almost sheepish to recognize God actually wants to do something for you. And if you don't believe me, look at what Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, uh, 10 through 11 says. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And thereby, look at this. Put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. Look at what he wants to do for you. Look at this. I will open the windows of heaven for you and pour down a blessing until there is no more need. Come on. Not only that, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil. And your vine in the field shall not bear, says, fail to bear, excuse me, says the Lord of hosts. Well, but Tony, it says full tithe. This requires rearranging your life yes, yeah. to be able to go, God. It's not if I can afford it. Yeah. It's not if somebody can convince me theologically. Right. It's not because it, when it's comfortable. It's not when I have leftover. It's my, by definition, first and my best. Yeah. Some of you right now are going, ooh, okay. Let me just give you a theological explanation because I understand that we live in 2023 and there are wild ideas out there of deconstruction that claim that the tithe is no longer relevant. So let me just tell you our first value in this house is faithfulness to the word of God. So let me tell you about how the tithe is still relevant. Number one, it precedes the law. The biggest argument out there is, well, Tony, you're reading out of Malachi 3.10. That's the law. Can I tell you that the tithe precedes the law? It predates the law. Abraham 
ties to Melchizedek, which is a Christophany known as, in the theological world, as, as a Christ type. And so there's this man, Abraham, and he tithes 10% of his income, and he gives, this is pre-law. Then the law, as we read about. And then, <laughs> then Jesus says this. Matthew 23, 23. Okay. Tony, pre-law, law. Okay. All right. If you're a Jesus person, okay. New Testament, I get it. Let me just read to you what Jesus says. What sorrow awaits, you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, you hypocrites. For you're careful to tithe even on the tiniest income from your herb gardens. But you ignore the more important aspects of the law. Justice, mercy, and faith. And then look at what Jesus says. Anybody reading it with me? Yeah. You should tithe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and the point Jesus is trying to make here is the important aspects of what we do are justice, mercy, and faith. Yes. This tithing is not even an argument. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. It goes without saying. But if, but if you're one of those that wants to argue, can I just like tell you, Jesus' words, you should tithe, should likely be enough for us to tithe. Amen. Yes. yes. All right, Tony. Well, that's Jesus. Okay. Well, this is the same Jesus that said, do not murder. We're cool with that, right? Well, that's law. This is the same Jesus that goes, don't commit adultery. Well, that's law. See, I don't want you and I to fall into this. We pick and choose. When the Bible's clear, pre-law, law, Jesus straight, straight up says you should tithe. And then now we're reading Paul in the early church, commending what the early church was doing. And if that's not enough for you, you look at church history and you look at how all throughout the centuries, there are a few things that our forefathers have all fully agreed on. That this is why there's a plethora of denominations, and there's a, but, but there's this thing called the Council of the Church that centuries ago decided we may not agree on everything, but there's one thing we agree on, and that is that a follower of Christ practices tithing to a local church. So let me just tell you this. That's Jesus calling you. <laughs> the tithe is I give the first 10% of my income back to God through the local church for the expansion of his kingdom. I'm going to say it again. It's the first yeah. and best yes, right. of my 10% that isn't really mine. I'm giving it back to the Lord through the local church for the expansion of his kingdom. Yeah. Why? He wants to do something for us. And my friend, I, I just got to tell you, before I jump into what he wants to do for you, he also expects, and I know this isn't popular in 2023, but I got to tell you it because it's in the Bible and it's what he expects of us. He expects obedience out of our hearts. Yeah, It's an act of obedience and trust and faith. And can I tell you, God is faithful. And there are people in this room to tell you he is faithful to do things for you. Just about a month or so ago, or a couple months back, I had somebody here in the church come up to me and do something that isn't, that is rarely done anymore. 
says, Tony, I gotta meet with you. I need to confess something. He said to me, and by the way, this example is not, again, hey, God is an equation, so if you give him this, he gives you this back. This is just one of many creative ways that God rewards people and does things for them as we honor him in our finances. He comes to me, he goes, hey, I've been cheating God out of his rightful tithe, and I'm coming to repent, and I'm coming to tell you I want to make it right. So he began, we prayed. I mean, I'm telling you what, I've been a pastor for 15 years. No one's had the you-know-what to come up to me and say that to me, by the way. So I'm like, I don't even know how to pray for this other than God forgive him, honor his faith, you know? And their housing situation, two weeks later, God opened these miraculous doors for them to be able to fix their housing situation. A couple months later, he got a job that literally changed their lives. Like, not just like a little raise or like a little, like, like transform their lives. And then after that, his, his wife uh, received another promotion at work. And in the meantime, it wasn't just money and all this stuff. It was like people would like drop off groceries at their front porch. Uh, they, they, they didn't lack anything. They, before they could even ask for help, the help would already arrive. This is what God wants to do for you. He wants to give you what the book of Luke chapter 6, 38 says. That give and it will be given to you. Yes. Come on, and you got to get this in your heart. Yes. This is not prosperity gospel. This is not me manipulating you. By the way, I, got, I said it first service. I'll say it to you again. Me preaching this with this much passion is not because my job's on the line and the more tithers I get, the bigger raise I get. That isn't even an option around here. Okay, I'm going to just be honest with you. I'm passionate about this because this is what God's passionate about. And he would say to you, in a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, it will be put onto your lap. For the measure that you use, it will measure back to you. I don't know about you, but that's the kind of measure I want. And in, and in God's economy, when we trust him first, according to Malachi 3.10, he will open up the windows of heaven. What is he going to do for you? He's going to open up the windows of heaven and pour down an overwhelming blessing. Yes. What else does he want to do for you? He wants to keep your heart soft and pure towards others. Yeah. I'm telling you, living a life of generosity will produce that in you. You will live a life that is soft and pure towards those around you. You know what else he wants to do for you? He wants to teach you how to rely on him as Jehovah Jireh, the provider. Let me just get all up in your business if I haven't yet. Some of y'all think that you're the provider. And it's even in your verbiage. And can I tell you, your language determines your theology. So when you say things like, I provide, I bring home, I do this, I earn, you're getting it twisted. God provides. He provided you with the brain. He provided you with the, with the ability. He provided you with the job opportunity, with the right people at the right place at the right time. He's the one that poured the favor. He's the one that opened the doors that no man can close. But when we go, I, he wants to do something for you. He wants to, no, 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 no. I want to teach you that it's, it's, it's me. I'm Jehovah Jireh, your great provider. What else does he want to do for you? He wants to rebuke the devourer in your life. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. When my wife and I got married at the young age of 20, we were dirt po. Not poor, po. 
And some people are like, man, that's why you don't get married young. Choose your heart. It's going to be hard anyway. I'm telling you, whether you're 30, 40, or 20, it's going to be hard. So I was working three jobs. I was teaching music lessons. I was interpreting at medical offices. And then I would just do like odd jobs here and there, lawn mowing, et cetera, et cetera. And so we had a 49cc scooter. <laughs> Don't worry. I now have a 2018 Harley Road Glide. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. And, and we had a little fixed gear bicycle and then a Dodge Neon. Uh, that, that leaked oil, and I wasn't man enough to check the oil on time for Sophia, because how many of you know you got to learn to be a good husband? And, um, and, and I'll never forget, we, at a very young age in our marriage, we said we are going to honor God first and foremost with our tithes and our offerings. We're going to build the local church. We're going to build his, his house. We're going to build his kingdom. We're going to believe out of whatever lack we do or don't have. And I'll tell you what, I'm being honest. I'm going to give you real numbers. I felt so puny writing $22 checks because sometimes that was our time. Like I felt so like minuscule, just going like, eh. Fancy nights for us meant adding tuna fish to our mac and cheese <laughs> and sprinkling wick cheese on the top and putting it into the oven to bake. Some of y'all don't know that life and you're looking at me like, well, you're privileged. And you know what we decided is we're not only gonna honor, but God, out of the little that we've got in our little 400 square foot apartment, we're going to invite people over. We would have people over and we would eat baked tuna mac. And it developed a softness in our hearts for people. Out of the lack and out of what we had, we, we gave. And, and this is not a brag on me. I can tell you the times we've messed up are the times things God has not. I mean, His grace has been there to cover but God hasn't blessed our efforts. But, but the times we honored him, he would bless our efforts. And, and he began to move our mind from a bag with holes mentality of God, all I've got is a tuna mac. And it never seems to be enough. To, I've got a feast. Right. Wow. To, I've got a table. I've got people that I can invite. Yes. I get to. And there was this giddiness in us that would arise. Remember, we'd be like, you can actually bike to our house. Like, come over. Like, I actually don't have to interpret tonight. Like, we would get giddy about this. And God began to produce something in me. And can I tell you, in that moment, when we decided, things began to shift in our lives. And not just materialistic. Hear me. It started in us first. And before we knew it, what God was doing through us was more than we could have ever imagined. We were inviting people to the table and they were getting saved. We were inviting people to the table and over Tunamac, we were explaining to them the love of Jesus. We were inviting people over and without me being the great speaker that I am today, we would speak to them about the word of God and they would get it. Last year, one of those couples that we used to have over at that time met us at Target here in Napa because they were taking a road trip from Vancouver, Washington to Florida to take a plane to Columbia where they were going to go plant a church. And they came to us and they said, you taught us generosity when you had nothing. So 10 years later, they're thanking us because the seed we planted 
This couple was on the brink of divorce. He was addicted to alcohol. I won't tell you the things she used to do, but you can imagine. And God turned their lives around and literally they were sent to go and plant a church in Columbia. What does God want to do with you? Through you and for you. He wants to give you a testimony. He wants to give you a story. He wants to give you wealth of generosity. He wants to move you from closed fists. By the way, I said this earlier, but isn't it stressful to live this way? There's physical tension. He wants to move you from closed fists to open fists. I'm done. Okay. So God, we thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that you would show us, God, truly, truly, each one of us individually, reveal to us what do you want to do in us, God? How do you want to use us? What do you want to do for us, Lord? I pray, God, for those that are here, maybe in the past they've been manipulated with money, they've come to a church, it's been used, and it just hasn't been a good experience or even biblical or truth. God, I, I pray, Lord, that that would be healed in Jesus' name. Yes. And that you would help us now to look at your word through unfiltered eyes, God, that go, man, I just want to honor you, Lord. Teach me what you have me do. So right now, my friend, we're going we're gonna to just spend a couple moments here before we dismiss, just reflecting and, and responding. We've got the communion table set up as we always do, and we want to invite you what a more beautiful way to commemorate the fact that because he loved, he gave his one and only son. Right? So we're, we're going to take communion together as a, as a response of remembrance to what Jesus has done for us. His body that was broken and tortured and his blood that was shed for us that would cleanse us of our sins. It all started because of God's love. And so therefore he gave. Also, if you need prayer for anything, maybe you're here today in person and you've never given your life to Jesus and and I'm over here talking about giving. Maybe your first step is your giving of your life over to the Lord. Or maybe you've done that before and you've walked away. You want to come back and say, God, I want to give you my life again. You can head on over to the prayer corner in the back. There's two amazing, beautiful people willing to pray for you. If you just need prayer for anything at all, you can head on over there at any time. I'm going to give you some time here to just reflect, to think, to pray. Just ask the Lord, what's my next step in all of this? And in a second, I'll come back up. Thank you once again for joining us today. We hope today's message encouraged you, challenged you, and caused your faith to grow. If you enjoyed today's message, we highly encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. That way you don't miss out on any future messages. To get to know us, to get connected with us, and to know how you can best partner with us, head to our website, LegacyChurchID.com, or come see us in person at our campus in Meridian, Idaho. We look forward to connecting with you. May God bless you and have a great rest of your day.